The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to episode number 345 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the very busy Nick Pollock. Nick, Nick, how you doing? How you feeling? What is happening? I'm feeling pretty good. I I feel like I should have worked harder, but <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I spent, I streamed from 11 to 5 yesterday mm. as I went through the top 100. And I didn't actually write anything. I just broke down all of them and and shouted at the ether above us at how they would forsaken me to do this. Uh, but I, it was uh, it was fun. It was a fun time, and I, I, I think I have a decent one. I, I took some more time last night to look at it this morning a bit. It's going to come out later today because I really wanted to, I don't know, massage it. Right, not sure. just kind of rush it out. This thing is going to be on the site for the next five months or whatever until the February ranks four months. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to make sure that you know everyone felt good about it. So uh, I'm excited to talk about them today with you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about them today with you too. Um, there's a lot to go over. Um, there's there's many many pictures. We got some tears. Um, I, I didn't even realize. I oh yeah. You didn't think of a theme, did you? I have to think of a theme. I have to think oh, of a theme. Oh man! I'm, I'm, I really we're coming we're coming off one of our better themes, which I think was famous foursomes, uh, which <laughs> I really dig. Um, so while I think of a theme, why don't yeah. you walk us through the methodology of creating a a, a list like this? You know, right. so close to the season. Like, how how are you addressing what you think could be any personal biases? What are you thinking about? You know, injuries. Like, are you taking things at face value? Walk us through what your your mindset is here. Sure. So I don't every year I leave the season and I wonder, okay, what did I do wrong entering the year? What um what philosophies should I have? All that kind of stuff. And I think what's so important to do rankings, what what it really does is it shapes how we should be approaching the draft, seeing what the pool is like. And I remember in previous years, um, I remember uh, putting Nick Kingham in like mid-50s in my way too early after he had a very intriguing season, right? And thinking, okay, that's the point where you just chase upside and you go for it. I feel this year, that point is in the 70s now. 
I uh, I mean, late 60s, early 70s, which is just a showcase of how much pitching talent there is. Now, there there will always be that that moment where you feel secure about guys and it really drops off into, I still love these. I'm still going to have them as my SP3 or 4, but I don't feel nearly as good with those. That still exists in the 30s and 40s. But the amount of depth is is really startling. And I remember last year and during 2022, as I continue to, to stall for fast, I I'm got, oh I'm I, good I got it I got a good one I no good one. I is I really emphasized hey sixth round through tenth round or eleventh round is where I want to get my starting pitchers maybe even seventh, and that was me saying look um, from Manoa Musgrove Gosman I uh, to Verlander McClanahan I mean sure there's Trevor Rogers included there and I will talk about where I went wrong with Trevor Rogers that I'm going to apply to this. Um, but that's where I wanted to feast in my drafts, right? And I really wanted to focus on hitting early on. Uh, in our legacy league, I just hit the wrong hitters, <laughs> which is so annoying. <laughs> but anyway, I, I got to talk more to John Metzlar and Scott Chu about that one. Um, but that mentality still stands with me today about there is a lot of really great pitching talent. A lot of really fun guys to chase and do not draft Toby's. Make sure you have one or two open spots. And I got really unlucky in our legacy league. I had both Luzardo and Tyler to McGill and I felt so good. Yeah. And they both went down pretty much for the season on the same day. So I had to go and figure that one out again, but I still think that strategy sticks and it's how I drafted these rankings today. We're going to get some good insight today about, you know, not just who you think was for real, but also maybe some of the some of the things that we don't think are sustainable for another mm-hmm. full year. Justin Verlander comes to mind. Kevin Gausman Babbitt comes to mind. Um, I believe we're going to we're going to go through the top 100 and then we're going to take a peek at the additional uh, 75. I think there are. I don't know if the, the rest of the list is fully complete yet. I think you still might be doing some work there it, at the it bottom of the page. It is not. Right? Uh, I'm yeah. doing it today. However, uh, it's okay. not even 75. It's full 200 this year. Okay. Uh, top 200 because I had 200 guys. And I said, why not? Let's just throw them all into a table at the end of it. Um, I have I have loose understandings of like, okay, these guys need to be in near the top of that. But then it just gets into craziness i mean where do you want to put casey mize and john means and Mm. guys that should appear maybe in august or september from tommy john right it's like okay yeah Uh, where do you want to put hunter brown i don't know yeah where is it it, we'll talk about that later yeah plus there's so many free agents that are going to end up on new teams you know there's going to be trades there's going to be a lot of different factors that happen over the winter meetings but that's enough of the preamble why don't we go ahead and dive in at least into the top 100 that we have so far the category is going to be ready for this is a good category today right. is it really though is it really one. though no it's a good one you're actually really going to dig this you're going to dig this ready no i'm not yeah the category for today is pitcherlist merchandise oh my god pitcherlist merchandise <laughs> is the category for today okay that's a good one this is that's okay really i would one. i don't think i would have approved this pre-show but we're gonna roll with it now Come on! Uh, all right, not? let's go. You, you're you doing this because I'm I'm wearing. Okay, you know what? I'm not even going to tell you guys what I'm wearing yet. You'll find exactly. out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's right. a lot that we're going to get to. So we're gonna we're gonna jump in real quick uh, at the tier number one. It's uh, I don't know how it would compare relatively to other tier ones coming into the season because there's three. I feel like usually you do have like one to five inside of the tier one here. Uh, but tier one is Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, and Sandy Alcantara. What's it called? And why is it called that? 
All right. Um, what is the number one merch that is always, always wonderful? Uh, I'm going to say tier one is the pitcher list hoodie. Um, oh, my fave. Right. Exactly. I wear this is the one I use the most. I um, oh. it's uh, there are two actually. I think I gotta really adjust this, but there's a thinner one that I use more than the f- the thicker one. I mm-hmm. uh, and it's so comfortable. <laughs> it's good. It is incredibly comfortable. But yeah, so Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, Sandy Alcantara. Um, I sat down with this, and I think it's really important. I can't talk about Tier 1 without talking about Tier 2. Uh, and why Tier 1 is here, as it is, is because these are the ones I trust to go 200 frames. Corbin Burns and Cole hint at 250 strikeouts, 240, 250 for both of them. And then Sandy Alcantara. I mean, you guys don't need me to tell you how much of a rock he is for your season 228 innings this year. I uh, so those three felt to me the most sturdy of all of them. And why isn't tier two sturdy? Well, you have injury risk with DeGrom, injury risk with McClanahan, injury risk with Wheeler, uh, injury risk with Scherzer, risk with Scherzer, Woodruff a little more volatile. And Julia Urias, I think, is not as much of a workhorse as the top three. I mm. was really impressed this year how quietly who the areas did well this year, but he's not someone who's going to go 215 innings or something. He's still going to be a little bit babied by the Dodgers. So let's, um, before we move on to uh, the other, you know, pitchers in tier two, I want to talk a little bit about Garrett Cole, right? Cause you, you have number two, not even really, I don't, I don't even know if he ended the year as a top 10 fantasy pitcher for you this year. Um, you know, does oh, he I would, finish I would... top- I, I really, I, I would be shocked about that just because of the 102 whip over 200 plus innings and the most strikeouts in the game um, at 257 is remarkable. I mean, 13 wins is a little unfortunate. still 20th best in the majors. Uh, I imagine tied for that. Uh, but the fifth most innings, 350 ERA is the one thing that's bringing him down, of course. It, it depends on what you use, right? I mean, there's sure. so many different ways that you could judge it. Not even top 10 in the ESPN player rater, not even top 15. Um, he's actually at 20th uh, uh, in the ESPN, which would be for, you know, kind of basic five by five leagues. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of starting pitchers, he would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, uh, uh. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. <laughs> Uh, 15th. He would be 15th if we're yeah, just okay. talking about starting pitchers. Right. But but he he's he's your second highest. Are you are yes. you kind of anticipating that the innings are still going to be there? There's no way we see a three five ERA again. This is a consistency guy. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. He pitched all 12 starts in 2020. Every other season uh, since 2018, over 30. Um, it's the strikeouts are not going to be as big of a factor. I would imagine. I mean, yes, it were a bit of a factor a lot of his career, uh, but they hurt him more than usual in 2022 for that 3-5 ERA. I think that 3-5 ERA comes down next year. Uh, strikeouts are still going to be there. Wins are going to be there. Whip is going to be there. Garrett Cole is still phenomenal. And it's it's it, like the most, it's like such a rock. And the fact that tier three, not as much of a rock. Sandy Alcantara had a fantastic season. Uh, you guys know how much I adore Sadie Alcantara. I don't expect him to have that 228 ERA again. Right. Sure, I think that I'll... is, this is a peak that we're seeing with Sandy Alcantara. I would love to see that again. Uh, but it seems as if the the strikeout gap to me 
Uh, and the wins, I mean, 14 wins versus 13. I know Sandy goes deeper, but still it feels as if Garrett Cole should have the leg up on that next year, um, being part of the Yankees. And the strikeout gap being about, what, 30, uh, actually 50 strikeouts, which is about 25% more uh, for Cole. I think that gap will still be somewhat present next year. So we don't expect 220 innings again from Alcantara. So I, I love them both. But yeah, all three of these are just your rocks for the year that you're not, you know you're going to get a ton of volume and a ton of production. Okay, great. Let's move on to tier two then. You mentioned some of the names a little bit already, but it's Jacob DeGrom, Shane McClanahan, Zach Wheeler, Julio Arias, Brandon Woodruff, and Max Scherzer. What's it called and why is it called that? Um, I'm going to go with, I, I'm trying to get the representation of this. The one I'm wearing right now is X Will Bacon. Mm-hmm. And it's because that I know that some people will want it to be Wilbacon. And we do sell the X Wilbacon shirt. That is the Comic-Con version of this, which is also mm. phenomenal. Mm. Um, but I love this. And I, I think that this is one of the more undervalued shirts that we have. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> uh, and yes, we have eggs and um, bacon and pancakes on it. So yeah, this is the X Wilbacon shirt. Let's start with uh, DeGrom versus McClanahan. They're, they're kicking off tier two. I imagine they're kind of back to back here because high upside, you know, you know that when they're pitching, they're some of the best pitchers in baseball, but just too many injury concerns to, uh, to, to put them in the top tier. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's that, it's that simple. Um, just not as much of a rock and we all know the talent, but yeah, there's just too much haze and I don't want to go for that. There's a little bit of, this is, you know, conjecture, but there's a little bit of concern on my end from McClanahan just about how the Rays use their pitchers, the injury, the injury risk that seems to be prevalent for every Rays pitcher, especially when he has that kind of velocity. I don't think he's ever had a Tommy John. Um, I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about McClanahan coming into this year. Again, not founded upon anything other than just like, is is he gonna get hurt? Uh, but there's, I, I'm a little scared about that. So so it it might be weird for me to say this, saying like, hey, this is why all these guys are here. Um, I'd say with like Burns, Cole, Alcantara, like all of them are like defying the whole nature of all injured, all pitchers can get injured, all that kind of thing. I mm. mean, Burns maybe less so because he's done it for a little bit less than the others, but still has just been so consistent. Um. That said, you know, every pitcher can get hurt. Uh, we just saw yeah. Woodruff, who was such a staple of it, and he got hurt, you know. Yep. Um, and injuries just happen to everyone. So I think also going into this year, one thing I, I should have mentioned in the open that I didn't. Uh, let's review quickly the guys this time last year we were really worried about entering next year. I mean, even including some in February and in March as well about injured mm-hmm. situations in spring training. Actually, really, March, I should say, because we heard nothing in February. <laughs> Stupid lockout. Um, but uh, it was, you know, Gallon and Wheeler had their shoulder questions. You mm-hmm. had Luis Severino coming back from Tommy John. You had Justin Verlander coming back from Tommy John. You had Carlos mm-hmm. Rodon with his shoulder question. All of those were excellent. Uh, now I will also mention you had Clevenger coming back from Tommy John did not come through yet Syndergaard, uh-huh. but we had worries about Syndergaard anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, that were separate from just being injured. The fact that he's not throwing sliders as much and all the velocity down. Okay, fine. Bieber, I thought was, I was spooked about 
that was great too. Um, overall, I think Flaherty. when it came to injured questions, Flaherty, that's very, thank you. I knew that was forgetting somebody that was like, no, no, there was a bigger one that I ignored. Chris Sale was another one that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, Freddie Peralta, was he here coming? He wasn't. No, that was in season. He wasn't. He was good, um, yeah. That was in season. But I, but I think what I'm getting at is last year's sample of very small, like six to, you know, six out of 10 or something like that, seven out of 10 or whatever you want to say, were good. Um, a lot of them were league winners um, because mm. of their value uh, with that injury risk. And we saw other guys that got hurt without that injury tag, right? As we just mentioned, Peralta. So Bueller. I think there's a separate uh, Bueller, right? The great call there. I I mean, there were maybe the signs that we saw in 2021 for Bueller were actually. Mm, that's a good point. But, you know, but whatever. I'm not going to read too much into that. That's just me being like silly but anyway what i'm trying to get at is i i think there's a separation of talent and returning from injury and the back end of it so i'm saying like clevenger and syndergaard kind of separate from severino and verlander in the in these tommy john returns um and so then you look at like kenta maeda and you're looking at um mike soroka for example yeah. And we're wondering how how are we going to uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I need to mention this. Fast just put a chat bubble. He's in Florida right now and he he didn't want to interrupt my rants. But he, he had to let me know what was going on because the camera was about to move. So what does Fast write? Moving because I'm next to a lizard. Do you, can you show the lizard to me? I want to see the lizard. I was over. I'm over. I'm in my. I'm in my. Um, I'm in my you see him? Yes. Yes. There's the lovely I'm over, lizard. I'm over in my my <laughs> my in-laws' place on their backyard, which is like closed in, and uh, a lizard got in, and I was like, I don't mind lizards. Like, I just didn't want to have it jump on me in the middle of recording. So, like, I'm not, well. I'm not, well, Jesus Lizard is someone that maybe someone will uh, consider as an injured person coming oh, into after good. the month. Yeah, Trying well to segue well, a little. But well I mean, Tyler McGill, for example. I mean, there's a lot of these questions, and I think it's really important to highlight who are like the top 30 talents from this injury and who aren't really. And sure. I don't know where I side necessarily with Kenta Maeda. I'm probably on the negative side because it was a peak and that was it yeah. um, uh, of Kenta Maeda. Like Soroka probably doesn't have, you know, the same thing. But Tyler Glasnow, I'm in on. Yeah. I'm in on Glasnow. I mean, there's something to be said about how the Rays will treat him sure. with innings. But uh, I I'm I think I'm going to be more in on Glasnow because of what we saw last year um, than we did. So, that I mean, that's just a whole injury rant. I'm sorry. Uh, it's really in tier two. We normally spend more time in the middle stuff. But I think well, it's really important to establish here. No, it's good. And before I move on to tier three, actually, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. You got me fast. You know, we've done these for like, I don't know, for like a month or two now of trying to get the ad break in on the other person. And, oh, you 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 nailed it. You cheated yesterday. That was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> We're going to try cheated. and do it earlier. I know, but you try... got to say that up top. You can't. You got to set the level playing field. You can't no. just say mm-hmm. that and then do it. Mm-hmm. All right. No, We're gonna, you, gonna could, move. you We're can gonna... do it too, you know. Yeah. Mm, oh, just cheat? All right. Oh, all right. Yeah. Fine. Wait till you see what happens next week. Wait till you see what happens next week. What's Wait that on your ear, you fast? Huh? <laughs> Yikes. Oh, my God. Uh, not to d- derail so quick, but listen, I love I, – I really do generally like a lot of the guys on MLB Network. Brian Kenny is awesome. I love his book. Oh, I've had Kenny's the pleasure the of meeting him. He's yeah. fantastic. Brian He's- Kenny yesterday – had a whole rant where they put up a graphic showing Musgrove's increased spin rates saying that that was proof that he was cheating. And I was like, Brian, man, come on. Like he was like, look, all of his spin rates are up. That definitely means he was cheating. And I was like, Oh, this is so wrong. This is so, so, so playoffs. You throw harder and you get more spin because it's simple. Look at the velocity. Look at the velocity. Um, what's his name Uh, yesterday from the guy used to work at, uh, uh, Devin, right? Um, He's working fan graphs. Devin? Oh, yeah, Devin Fink. Fink, yeah, Devin Fink had a great um, uh, tweet yesterday showing, I think it was him, showing all of his pitches over, like from that playoff start comparatively to what he had in the full year. And they perfectly fell into the realm yeah. of what he had done over the full yeah, year. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. cheating. And I love Brian Kenny. And that was so wrong. It was just not right. Um, okay, anyway, we're moving on to tier three, which is our, our first chonker. We got Carlos Rodon uh, at 10, Aaron Nola, Shane Bieber, Luis Castillo, Max Fried, Spencer Strider at 15. Can't wait to talk about that. Shohei Otani, Alec Manoa, Joe Musgrove at 18, Kevin Gaussman, Hugh Darvish, Justin Verlander, and rounding out the uh, the second uh, the third tier, excuse me, at number 22, Dylan Cease. What's it called and why is it called that? This is called the Sandy Crush tier. Okay. Because it is, I think, the the best selling shirt we have this year. Oh, very lovely. Yeah, and it's very the longest. Lovely. It says Chonker. And speaking of Chonkers, I mean, the fact that we just had many rants, uh, we might go a little bit long on this one. Yeah, we might probably. have to split it up. Um, it's possible. We might do the top fifty, and then you know, we might do that. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, but but this tier is about like, look, these guys aren't your Garrett Coles, and they aren't your you know, Zach Wheeler's like we understand like there is a gap, but these are your quote unquote SB twos, borderline SB ones that are just these are great pitchers. you you have these on your team and you just go, Yeah, I got that. I got that Musgrove start coming tonight. I'm excited. You yeah. know, Tani's going sweet. I- I'm stoked. Was there any so you know was there any I'm looking at Bieber, looking at Castillo. Bieber obviously we talked a little bit about about how maybe um I, 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 I was in, I was in on Biebs, uh, but that was because I was just kind of overcorrecting. I think a lot of people were just dropping him a little bit too far. This season probably just says, all right, even with a little bit of a drop in spin, even with a little bit of drop in velo, he can still be an effective pitcher. Probably still going to get you a good amount of innings. I think this is a really nice settling place for him. 
Castillo signs the long-term deal with Seattle. Does that have any impact whatsoever on, on your ranking of him? So I don't know about the, the extension uh, with Castillo. The fact that he's playing for Seattle, I like what they've been doing with him. Um, four seamers has looked better. Slider emphasis has been up. The changeup was average this year. Yes. Yeah. So strange. And I, I have a theory, which is probably silly and stupid, um, about his four seamer emphasis affecting how he's releasing the changeup. No, it's not um, stupid at all. But I, I wonder about it that he's not getting as much on the side of the ball because he needs to stay on top of the four seamer. Um, I think it's a great thought. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I mean, if he can, if he can up, get that change up back, though, oh my lord, that'd be to stupid. back up your thought too. Like, there's there's some kind of indication that you know Robbie Ray came to Seattle and turned it to a different pitcher. Luis Castillo isn't sure. a different pitcher, right? But he is slightly tweaked, right? So there, I wonder if there is a good chance of next year he is the more four seam sinker slider pitcher and the changeup, which would be kind of a shame considering because it's well, that's what one we of saw. the best changeups in baseball. That's what we've seen since he's totally. been in Seattle. Um, and I, I wonder actually if Seattle's going to be like, Hey, here's all right, let's get that changeup back on order. Um, and figure that out. Um, with Shane Bieber quickly, four seamer had a 28% called strike rate, which is insanely good. Um, that's like classic Bieber 2020 and 2021 didn't actually hit that with it much better in 2022. The cutter introduction also really helped with him um, getting a strike rate up to 63%, helped him keep guys off of the four-seamer, um, which was my biggest worry. And I think entering the season, I thought Shane Bieber lower velocity through the year. I was, oh, I was uh, chicken little, the whole thing about Bieber, sell high, sell high, sell high, because I think the fastball is going to get crushed. And I think the lesson I'm learning from that, because I screwed up there, um is if the guy's weakness is getting weaker that's okay Mm. as long as the strengths are present Mm. because that was always his weakness before and it's not it wasn't getting worse on the outcomes right that that's at least what i'm trying to take away from this no Um, because the slider and curveball were both 22 percent swing strike rate pitches plus right and those he was still doing his thing that made him so effective uh, consistently through the year with those secondaries. So as long as the fastball was get doing what he needed to do, which is called strikes, which it was, then all right, you know, the weakness getting being still a weakness is fine. I mean, Shane Bieber's had a lot of success with that weakness. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. That's a fun kind of takeaway. Um, I, I want to move on to, to Spencer Strider though, because there's going to be a lot of conversation about where to put him. Um, the good news for people listening today is that back on the, uh, the the uh, off the IL, he's going to be in the. Oh great! Uh, My CS. prediction of the Phillies is totally going to not work out now. <laughs> did you see about David Robertson? Uh, no, I did not. He uh, it just came out like right when we started recording. He strained his right calf jumping up in the air when Bryce Harper homered against the Cards in the last round and is going to be out for the DS. Welcome to baseball. Yeah, um, that is. In fast, no, I didn't check it because I'm focused on you in this podcast. No, 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 that happened before. That happened before. You said right podcast. when we started recording is what you I got said, a text fine. at 10:55. We started at 11. Um, okay, whatever. That that's whatever. pretty unbelievable. But Spencer Strider back. Don't know what uh, there have. It hasn't been announced if he's going to be in the rotation yet, or at least not what I've seen. We, you know, that news came out pretty pretty soon before we started recording. Um, but let, let's talk about Strider. I mean. 
obviously the, the the one piece of analysis that we might hear that's prevalent in the offseason is how is a guy who just does two pitches going to be able to have the same amount of success that he did, right? He doesn't have a third pitch, which is true. There's no you – know, he has a changeup technically, but he never goes to it. He, he's he's Kevin Gaussman, right? He's going to go – you know, he's Alex Cobb. Um, he's – I don't know. Give me another example of a guy who is just a four-seam slider that had a lot of success. Um because it wasn't Waskari Noah. Uh, he didn't oh, another him. guy with just fastball slider? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you could say Severino this year actually did that a lot. I mean, change up and stuff too. But just in, in general, oh, Patrick Corbin, Pete Patrick Corbin. Yeah, so these are great examples, right? <laughs> this is, this is, so I wonder if forcing I, splitter is the only two-pitch combo that you can have sustained success oh, come on. of. No, no, Jacob DeGrom. Um, I don't, I don't no, 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 no. Spencer Strider still has like a 10% or a 7% thrown changeup. Jacob DeGrom. 7%. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Is like Jacob DeGrom doesn't throw his changeup or his curveball. That's true. He just goes four steamer slider. I got you. They're both they're both sub 10. Okay. But uh, I mean, I know I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Like, can, can he have the same amount of success with what is a top four seamer in the game and that slider, you could make a case for Manoa, but he's got two four seamer. I mean, he's got two. Yeah, fastballs. he's got that sinker that really works, and the changeup sometimes does cha- show up. So yeah, that's true. So I don't know. So walk us through the the the, the Strider ranking because there's going to be a lot of eyes on it. So with uh, with Strider, right? Waskari Noah, it was that was slider was amazing. Yeah, fastball was bad, and I really I messed that up uh, because I didn't really look into how bad that four seamer was. And I leaned too much away from it and just looked at the, the raw number of it. I messed up. Uh, no, you didn't one. mess up. Why oh, not? Sorry. Go on. I, I, I just got some more breaking news. I'm sorry. What do you got to do this? Yeah, to what do you, you got? Uh, this is not nabs. This is the top 100 ranking, but when breaking <laughs> news comes in, we, we got to talk about it. Yeah. We what do we got? About it. We talked yesterday during nabs about the Yankees bullpen and we said how it was already a little bit injured. Oh no, who's not? In uh, it? And then I said that um, Scott Efros. Well, there, there is there's Scott Efros who's been great. He's going to undergo Tommy John surgery. He's not oh, going to be. That's that is insane. How does that happen? That is insane. He was the Yankees' best reliever of the past two or three weeks, and he, that's another piece that they are down. Oh man, um, I'm sorry. Yep, yep I'm sorry. It's, it's all right. Yeah, I'm just you know. Oh boy! So can Cole go a complete game? That'd be great. At all of them? Yeah, right. Um, Severino went seven. It was fine. Um, now actually, we want Jordan Montgomery for long relief now, right? Um, anyway, uh, with with Spencer Strider, his fastball is a top ten fastball in the majors. Um, I think we need to really understand this. It's not just a small sample size. I think this is the reality. Over 132 innings this year, two six eight six seven ERA, point nine nine WHIP. 38% K rate, second best among all starting pitchers this year. Um, yeah, it, it's it's just truly magnificent. And I think the element that makes it so impressive to me, I think the biggest concern I had when I first saw him in the spring was I felt that he wasn't going to be able to throw enough strikes. I mm-hmm. felt this was going to be kind of a McCuller situation um, of just, we don't, it's so good, but he only has like a 60% strike rate on it. No, just under 70% strike rate on his four-seamer is remarkable for Spencer Strider. And I actually think there's another way to grow where the slider has a 61% strike rate. If you can get that to 64, 65, I think you'll see that 8.5% walk rate dwindle down to 7%, which would make him even even better. 
slider, though, 9.5% hard contact allowed. That's unbelievable. That is truly remarkable. The league average is 23%. Remember, hard contact is the same as hard hit rate, but it's over plate appearance instead of batted ball events. So when his slider ends a plate appearance, 9.5% of the time is it a hard hit ball as opposed to the quarter of a time league average, right? Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's it's such a hard pitch to hit because he's throwing 100 with his four-seamer, right? 98 average on that one. Um, and that's also well below average, of course, of hard contact. Like, Wasker Noah's was like 40% hard contact. Spencer Strider's is 23.5%. Uh, no, and, and, and the thing is, he's going to he's going to pitch more next year. I, yeah. I think that the um, the concerns about oh, he's only throwing 130 innings or so. You can only really expect 160. No, no, no. I think last year really kind of showed um, that teams are throwing away the Strasburg, uh, Strasburg rules. As you keep reminding me, it's not Strauss, Nick. It's Strasburg mm. rules. Miami. Um, and what I mean by that is limiting these younger guys to about 150. Sorry. I wish that's my alarm clock. You just saying Miami over Miami, and over again. Miami, Miami. <laughs> um, but I, uh, but yeah, but Strider. I mean, look at Alec Manoa last year throwing about 125 innings or so. And yeah. He threw 197 or something like that. Shane McClanahan getting let loose, right? Like these concerns, I think, are getting uh, pushed away because guys get hurt anyway. It doesn't yeah. matter as much. And it's just a matter of can Spencer Strider be efficient enough to not walk enough people so that he can go those innings. He's just so overwhelming. It's remarkable. The fastball is just that good. And I'm not going to sit here and say, all right, I'm going to go after these other guys. Like, no, Spencer Strider is is so dang good. And I want him on every team. Yeah, I'm not going to – I'm not going to – I don't – I don't think I'm going to buy into the innings thing either. I think that, I think that's smart. I mean, there's even if he gets 175 next year and he's able to maintain what he did, if he has 175 innings with the K rate that he has, and a, even if he doesn't sustain the ERA, but it's low three, that's going to be a top pitcher for you, uh, especially right. with the whip 38% that he has. 38% K rate goes down to 32%. Oh, woe is me. Totally. Woe is even me. The, Business is bad. Sorry, I just slider, saw the Greek wedding again. And that's oh, my God. Movie. The slider didn't give up a home run or a barrel until literally the last like two weeks of the season. It's a fantastic pitch. Even if it becomes not a fantastic pitch, it just becomes straight up above league average slider. He can still have a lot of success. Um, I do think, though, looking ahead to some other pitchers, that if these rankings stay the same, which they clearly won't, there's going to be another top 200 that comes out in, in preseason as in, usual. Yeah, in February, yes. But I do think that that if things stay the same, you will be the lowest on Dylan Cease of any. Uh, yeah, likely. Any, yeah, I mean, so this is a guy coming off. You know, you, you go to his his pitcherless player page, and we're talking about the the you know the elevator from The Shining here. It's tough to find anything but red, except for of course the the walk rate, ground ball rate. You know, that's ground balls don't walk- matter. You know, actually, yeah. you know who had the two hundredth ground ball rate. We'll talk yeah. about him. He's in the next tier. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Walk right, obviously, 177th, but 111 whip, 220 ERA, uh, 184 innings, got you some wins, uh, top 30 in CSW. However, you know, a, a Cy Young contender, not going to win it because it's probably going to go to Verlander, but a Cy Young contender. Um, but you, you're still thinking, not for me. What do you, what, what, what's the deal with this ranking? So I, I do want to make it very clear. I have him in this tier three. 
you know, I, I'm not in any way saying that Dylan Cease is going to be bad next year. I'm not mm. saying that he's not going to be worth your time. What I see inside of tier three are, I think, more complete pitchers um, that I believe in for the full year. When I, I look at Dylan Cease's success this year and where I underrated him coming in, it was I didn't expect him to go so heavily into his slider. Um, we're talking a jump from 31% to 43%. And that was the difference maker for him. And not only did he throw it more, but he went from a 62% strike rate to 65, I mean 61.7, right? It, it got more strikes for him along the process. So not only was he throwing it more, but also got more strikes with that. The four-seamer and curveball development were not there. He threw fewer strikes on the four-seamer. Same CSW, 25%. Like, all right. 62% strike rate on the four-seamer. Curveball, CSW fell down four ticks. Um, five ticks on, on swing striker to sub 10%. I mean, right at 10%, I should say. Strike rate 55%. It was really just the increased usage, usage of the slider. And I think it was worse by the end. Um, we saw these incredible games earlier on. We saw It felt like every single game, he was just going double-digit, double-digit strikeout games uh for Dylan Cease and it was unbelievable by midseason. Uh his last double digit game though was in June and he didn't have any from July onward. He did hint at it, but by the end we started seeing the walk rate creep up again. It wasn't quite as overwhelming Dylan Cease. And I do wonder is that slider command everything? Is that all he needs for him to sustain us for the full year? 10.4% walk rate you traditionally do not see top 10 pitcher with a 10% walk rate. It is incredibly rare to see that. Um, I I can't put him above these other guys that are just doing all the things that we know every year that sustain themselves to be like a 110 whip and a around three ERA and a 25 to 30% K rate. I can't not do that. Um, while Dylan sees it feels like it's a peak year. Mm. and uh, things went his way with it. I did not see development in any... All, the only change was that increase of slider usage to me. Not a, a real overwhelming development with his fastball as a curveball or so, right? The slider was really good last year. Um, it was just now thrown more and sustained that success, right? So I'm I'm a little down on it because I think this is a peak. I think it's... Um, and I'm not... You know, some people are going to say like, oh, man, like you just can't give in to it, Nick. I'm also going to say I'm I still see the same fears. I'm going to stick to my guns and that uh, I don't think I saw enough from Cease for me to change it. I'll change it if I feel like, oh, no, he's different than I thought before. He's throwing more sliders. He's not like 30 or something that he was last year. But once again, the landscape has changed. He's still in tier three. He's just at the bottom of it. All right. Um uh, I, that's, it's definitely it's definitely gonna be something you're gonna have to talk about uh a, I know. a lot i know and i hate season. that i have to but it's i think it's reasonable okay. <laughs> if it's not right. reasonable i will change it you know that that's always my thing is uh, like i think it's also important to to outline i, I look this is going to be the top 50 podcast guys it's not going to be the top 100 we, no, there's no so way. we're going to go long anyway uh rodan did not slow down uh, Aaron Nola had 230 strikeouts. Uh, Shane Bieber and Castillo, we already talked about. Max Freed, it's kind of funny. He did the same thing the second straight year where he uh, he had a bad 
first two games and then was even better the rest of the year. He did the same thing again this season. Uh, he's the most like rock you can imagine for ERA and whip. Sure, he's not a 30% strikeout guy, but he honestly could be if that slider does take off too. But he's just incredibly solid. Uh, we talked about Spencer Strider. Shohei Otani, I got to say, feels again like a peak. Uh, I, that was my argument against him last year. 130 innings felt like the peak last year. He obviously went way past that. But 28 starts for Shohei Otani feels way... That, that doesn't seem like something that's sustainable. But maybe it is. Maybe I'm really undervaluing that. And that, that will be a fun discussion, I think, this full uh, offseason. And I could be raising him by the end. Um, Alec Manoa disappointed me with his slider whiffs. Um, and four-seamer whiff came down as well. But 200 innings. This guy is a workhorse. Sinker mm. is very undervalued. He lost it for a moment, got it back. Joe Musgrove... I think he reclaimed the things he was losing by the end, 180 innings for two straight years. Um, incredibly solid and steady. You know that you're going to get production through the year. Kevin Gosman's BABIP is going to fall down. Um, our expected BABIP was uh, about 311 or 310 or so, as opposed to the 360 something that he had. That was like a historic amount. His four seamer and splitter are both legit pitches still. Um, so I, I prefer that. Like I, when the discussion of walk rates or hit per nine, I expect hit per nine to change more than walk rates. Thus, the whip question of Gosman versus Cease, I'm going to side on Gosman's side. Um, you Darvish had just an amazing season with a, he's essentially cutter slider fastball guy now, and he was so good. Um, sure, the forward 22 ERA in 2021 is going to make people question the uh, the the amazing season he had this year. I think you Darvish is just still you slot him in and you feel good about it. That's that's the biggest one is Darvish Verlander cease. I can understand moving this around. Justin Verlander, I think, is gonna fall. Yeah. I I think the four seamer and slider both took steps back. Four seamer swing strike rate fell down dramatically from 2019. I'm I think the strikeout rate was way too high. I think we're gonna see like a 23% rate next year, something along those lines for Verlander. I'm so happy you had this incredible season, but I think a lot of us this entire year have seen it with skepticism. And I think we're going to be disappointed a bit if we were looking for anything of a replication next season. So that's that's what the landscape looks like for me in that tier three. But they're all definitively, I think, higher than the guys in tier four. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just, you know, it's difficult to see a guy who's, who's a top 10 pitcher outside of the top 20, a guy who had three months of, of sub two ERAs. Uh, I think it was his, what was it? His June. This is all over 25 innings, a 30, a 0.33 ERA in June, a 0.76 ERA in July and a 1.95 ERA in September, October. Um, a lot of really, really unbelievably dominant stretches for Dylan Cease this year. But like I said, you're going to have plenty of time to talk about Dylan Cease. Uh, it, it, it's going to be January, and you're never going to want to say his name again. Let's move on to to Tier 4. Um, Zach Gallen, Christian Javier, uh, Tyler Glass now rounds out the top 25. Luis Severino, Nestor Cortez, Tristan McKenzie, Robbie Ray, Lance Lynn, and Clayton Kershaw. What's it called, and why is it called that? This is um, the Pitcherlist hat. Um, we have a nice embroidered P. You can take it everywhere with you. Okay. I'm going to guess that the guy who uh, had the lowest ground ball rate here was Christian Javier. That is correct. Yeah. You, you, 200 you fall... in the majors. That makes sense. You, especially because I think he probably has the lowest sample of everyone, but 
it's funny because it's like I, I remember one day 148 innings fast that's pretty but a lot of them in relief right a lot of them coming in in long relief um no i mean he, he no uh four five games in relief this year four or five games in relief this yeah year. five yeah. games in relief yeah everything else was yeah. a start um he the reason i knew about the ground ball rate is because i remember distinctly looking at uh the astros overall ground ball rate thinking that they had to be like top five uh because of um you know mm. framer valdez uh and then they weren't even – I don't even think they were top 10. And that's because for every friend of Valdez that they have, they also have a Christian Javier who seems to be the, the polar opposite. Why don't we start with Christian Javier who you seem to have established a little bit of a love affair with in the back end of the year. Um, could be a guy that uh, – you know, if Dylan Cease is a guy that you're low on, Christian Javier might be a guy that you're an industry high on. Talk to us a little bit about what you're thinking for Christian Javier. The dude is Spencer Strider. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, minus it, the velocity, it's uh, yeah, 94. Um, that's why I think makes us really hesitant on it. But as far as performance, of the four seamer, he has a higher swing strike rate on it at 15%. Um, I talked about Strider, like so Strider strike rate is like a 68.8% on his four seamer. It's 68.3 on, uh, on Javier's slider is a 61.7 for, uh, for Strider. It's a 61.9 for Javier. Hard contact rate on the slider for Strider is 9.5, It's It's all the same. 23% hard contact rates for both of them on the four seamers. Christian Javier throws elevated all the time, all of the fastballs. And I talked about before, but yeah, if if you're missing bats up, you're not going to get grounders. And the slider, I got to say, 35% CSW is pretty dang good. I think there's even another room of, for improvement here if he can just get this in the zone more. Um, 45% zone rate, 30% O swing. I think there are times that Javier struggles to get uh, the breakers in the strike zone. Um, the curveball is not as good. It's a slower version, but I mean, the shape of it is wonderful. It doesn't allow any hard contact on it. Ha- Christian Javier is just so good. Um, the, the biggest question is innings per start. I would say, I mean, pitches per game was at 85. Innings per game was at five. That does include the relief stuff, but still about five and a third or so, you could say, per start. I think the Astros are going to let him loose. Like, how could you not? Mm. Um, And I think people don't realize he had the fifth best strikeout rate, the ninth best whip, the fourth best hard contact rate at 19%. Walk rate is the biggest question, 9%. I think that slider is the biggest thing there to help him with it. You might say this is a peak. I say that this is also one of the best four-seamers in the game. Mm-hmm. And you might not think that at 94, but that's how good it is elevated. I imagine his VAA is one of the best as vertical approach angle. Um, he's six foot one, has a little bit of a lower arm angle. He's 25. He'll be 26 next year. Christian Javier is someone I'm getting in every single league. You got me very curious, and I'm taking a look at the vertical approach angle thanks to uh, Alex Chamberlain's fantastic uh, um, pitch leaderboard, although he did get me in a lot of trouble yesterday, and he knows why he did. So (laughs) Alex Chamberlain, uh, he and I were texting about it earlier. Uh, Even when you account for the – if you remove uh, Strider's – excuse me, if you remove Javier's relief appearances, still a better – 
swing strike rate on that four seamer. I was curious if maybe uh, the, the relief appearances were jacking up the, um, let's see, if they were jacking up the swing strike rate on the four seamer sure. and they weren't, they really yeah, weren't. A it, very it goes, small sample relative to the full year. Yeah, it goes down to 14.4%. Um, trying to find the, all right, where's Oh, that matches it. That's exactly the same as Strider's done. Uh, Strider's actually goes to, he might've had a relief appearance. Too, oh, relief. Oh, yeah, he did. To, yeah, yeah. His goes down to 13.7%. Gotcha. Um, the highest vertical approach angle uh, for a fastball this year. Um, well, the highest? I don't know if we want the highest. I'm just saying the most beneficial. Um, oh. I'm, just, I'm just, I'm wondering if he has a good VAA for it, right? You want it to be flat. You don't want it to be high. Uh, it is definitely, um, well, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of the right terminology because it's negative numbers. Yeah, it's, it's, so we're trying to yeah, think yeah, about yeah. the most yeah. beneficial. The closest to zero is what you're looking yeah. for. Right. Uh, or at least in this context. Um, and his is the it is the closest to zero, negative three point nine percent among all starters. Is that um, right? Christian Javier. There Christian you go. Javier. So Alexis Diaz, Craig Kimbrell, Christian Javier. Man, I'm telling you guys, Christian Javier, go get him. I'm going to use that stat a ton. The best, the best VAA on a four seamer. Right. That's essentially what I can say fast. Is that is that what you're telling me? I wouldn't say best. I would say yeah. I would just provide the context of it because there's no. Yeah. OK. You know what I mean? I mean, it sounds like you're saying best. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, for what he does, he could have a lot of success. He's definitely on for the throwing up in the zone. He has the ideal uh, yeah. release point. Okay, totally. Fine. It's right next to Freddie Peralta's and Joe Ryan's. Yeah, but, they, we know those are great fastballs too. Oh, that's really good that Joe Ryan, yeah, right, makes sense. But however, when we talk about good fastballs, um, the one that we don't really talk about most often is the fastball that gave up the most home runs in all of baseball. I believe no pitch gave up more uh, yeah, home so runs. That's got to be Robbie Ray's. No. No. Um, uh, this is another guy. Uh, we're looking just at four seamers here. Um but I believe this pitch gave up more home runs. I'm double checking right now. Yeah, it did far and away. This pitch up gave up 21 home runs. No other pitch gave up more than I think it was inside like this tier. Uh, not inside this tier. Not inside this. Oh, tier. I, I thought this was a segue. I was trying to go segue for you. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me let me let you take another stab at it. So, so I was looking at the vertical approach. Angle Garrett Cole. On, uh, no, it yeah. was. Oh no. What do you got? Josiah Gray's. Josiah. Oh Graves. well, yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, I should have I should well, have thought he, more about bad pitchers. So I remember actually talking to Eno. I remember talking to Eno in Arizona, and he was like, "I hate Josiah Gray." I'm like, "Why?" Because because his fastball just allows home runs a lot. <laughs> and I was like, "It just it's just the home run machine." I'm like, "Ah, oh, but don't say that, Eno. Come on, I want to like Josiah Gray because of the slider and the curveball." But yeah, he's what do you know? Eno is right. I'm so shocked. <laughs> Believe it or not. Um, all right. We, we spent a lot of time in the, in, the, in this tier and there's more people to get to. So I, I want to pivot then to talk about uh, a guy who really was able to pull it together this year. Have a, You know, there were spurts um, in 2021 where there was a lot of really good stretches for him, but nowhere near the dominant stretches that he was able to put together this year. Ends the year with a sub three ERA, the ninth best whip in all of baseball and nearly 200 innings. A guy that we really have not been talking yeah. about enough. And that's Tristan McKenzie. What are you thinking about Tristan McKenzie as he comes in at number 28 just, for you? I, I struggle to buy it. Um, And and like, what is Tristan McKenzie's best pitch, do you think? I would probably say it's the, the four-seamer. Right? 
Um, 70% strike rate, but a 33% hard contact rate. Uh, 11% swing strike rate, 27% CSW on it. Um, I want to believe that it is. I think I, I really do think he gets good extension on it. I think he um this is the pitch that establishes everything, and then it does set up this curveball that is a 23% swing strike rate, right? Yeah. 65% uh strike rate on it, 37% CSW, low hard contact. I mean, that is the bread and butter, is the Blake Snell blueprint, right? Of these four seamers um and uh curveballs. The thing is, I don't think that Mackenzie's command is that great. Uh, he kind of just chucks it into the zone a lot. Only a 50% high lock compared to Christian Javier, who was saying he really emphasized, um, amplifies this. Part of the reason why that VAA works is you have to then pair it with where you're throwing it, right? And Javier knows this, 65% high lock. That's high location, right? That's huge. That's what you should be doing. Only 50% for, for Tristan McKenzie with this. So the slider also, man, I watch a lot of these games of Tristan McKenzie and that slider just, you didn't never know. Where that thing was going so um there were some yeah. games he got it down enough but and it makes me weirded out by this um you can talk all about the simple things of like the 238 babbit or the um the lower home run for five ball rate which is 11.5 according to us um by the way fl- five ball rates are the weirdest things ever how do you define a yeah. fly ball i don't know yeah um i we actually are gonna have a better version of this that is uh, We'll talk about it in February <laughs> um, and 80% left on base rate. But I think there's a lot of fortune um, for uh, for McKenzie this year. And I want to buy in. I want to believe that the fastball is just really good and that the curveball is really good. And the development of that slider, like he just gets better and more consistent with it. I don't know if I can do it quite yet. I want I want to take a look at something real quick. Um, there was an interesting conversation that came up, and this is going to be a weird segue into what you were just talking about. Okay. There was a conversation about why Aaron Judge was um, getting more pitches over the heart of the plate than ever mm. before, right? Because yeah. uh, you and I had even talked about this before, about like, are we not going to give him as much credit um, because, because he's getting more pitches over the heart of the plate? Yeah. And there was a good counter to why that was happening that I heard, which is that pitchers are going away from uh, focusing as predominantly on command. Their their approach right now is grip it and rip it, and where the ball lands is where the ball lands. Get it in the vicinity, right? If you want it outside, aim for it outside. But they're not trying to spot the pitches with the same consistency that they have been in past years because all we're focused Mm -hmm. on is movement and velo. Um, and obviously if there's a, if there's, you know, three glasses of water and you have one thing to fill up both in, you're going to have a lot of water and velo and command and, uh, movement. It's an RPG. I got it fast. Yeah. It's an RPG. Very good. Um, I wonder if Tristan McKenzie is the same way. I wonder if they're just saying, just let it rip. Um, I, I don't know. I truly don't know. I don't, I, that doesn't seem like it's something the guardians would particularly espouse it seems like they've got very clear game plans for how they mm-hmm. like pitchers to command their pitches but it's definitely an interesting thing to think about because we clearly have so many metrics that we overtly rely on that we should be relying on but i wonder if uh the location mechanics or the location metrics excuse me um are maybe a, have a bit more nuance than we uh, uh lead on i mean i've believe. i've been oh you're speaking my language um, I mean, there are certain stats that allude to it. For example, Zach Wheeler's O swing percentage on his sinker. You remember me freaking out about this last year? 
I about the beginning of the year, like it was like forty eight percent. That's like at least it's like fifty three percent on the sinker this year. Like mm. this is what he does. How does he get his outs? It's that. Don't care about the CSW because when they swing and they miss, and it's a ground ball. Sorry, they don't miss. They get a ground ball, and that's an out. It's more important than the CSW. Anyway, um, I I kind of agree with you on that. And I, I there's also the thought process. I mean, two things quickly. One about being effectively wild. You know, sequencing we focus on a lot, but sequencing can hurt because it can give away what the next thing is. And if you don't know, they don't know, right? Um, and there's something to be said about that. If like, oh, I can, I know what their sequence is, so now I can focus on this pitch down and away. But if literally the, the the pitcher doesn't know either, all of a sudden it's a front door slider accidentally, like that messes them up, right? Mm. Um, the other thing is. I think one of the things we, when we talked about this before with judge is pitchers focus more or they get more adrenaline against judge, which then can lead to mistakes more, um, which is something to be said. Like if I'm overthrowing because I'm going against Aaron judge, I need to throw the perfect slider or fastball here. It can lead to messing up mechanics and release points and all that kind of stuff. All of a sudden there's mistakes in the heart of the plate. Mm. Um, Regardless of the fact, we should not take it away from Judge. We both agree on that. And uh, with Tristan McKenzie, maybe I just got to, you know, maybe it's one of those cases like Nick, like the dude killed it. (laughs) And that's that. And that's kind of why I have him here. I likely am not going to buy into McKenzie, but then I have the other part of me that says, Nick, he's a young guy. He's going to be 25 for half of the year. You know, he turns 26 in August the next year. Like, this is the development you're talking about. And maybe he gets better on the slider. Maybe the velocity does actually grow more to 93, 94 as he gains more weight in the offseason. You know, he's no longer 6'5 and 165. He's a Brooklyn yeah. boy. Come on. And, um, yeah, maybe that is something I should be considering, too, about development of McKenzie. Do I think he's going to be a sub-3 year guy again? No. Do I think his whip is going to be 0.95? No. But he clearly has stuff that misses bats. The curveball was looking sexy. And yeah. maybe he can gain a little bit of velo on the on the fastball. All of a sudden, those mistakes aren't as hittable. So yeah, I keep going back um, and forth. All right, we, we we got we got two more tiers yeah. at least to get through here. So let, let's move. On. But these are good. yeah, we these might do. We might make this the top forty uh, instead of top fifty. Uh, yeah, uh, that's hey, why man, I think that's just, what the people this... want. Yeah, people no, want. no, no, no. So, so just to give a hit, because I'm this is what I'm doing for everybody is I do at least some thirty second or ten second bit. Zach Allen, I love the stuff. It's just not all elite. There's nothing truly elite about all this stuff. And it makes me hesitant to put him into tier three, but I love Zach Allen and I'm a gallon gal. Chris Javier, we talked about Tyler Glasnow. It's just a question of how many innings he's going to throw next year. I think the stuff is unbelievable. I think it's very much of the, you know, Tommy John stuff as I led to before, but like put Tyler Glasnow wherever you want. I believe in Luis Severino fastball sliders that sent 97.8 in that last start against the Rangers for Severino. He is good to go. Uh, I'm thrilled for Severino next year. There is a heightened injury question, too, considering how few innings he has thrown um, since 2018. Nestor Cortez, I'm a believer. The four-seamer is a legitimate, like, insanely good pitch. Um, I didn't believe it before. I believe it now. He's ahead of Tristan McKenzie. Robbie Ray and Lenslin are very similar to me. They're both going to be workhorses. They're both going to go through weird moments where they're just hyper light on their fastballs. But Robbie Ray's four-seamer and Lenslin's four-seamer are both excellent. And that foundation is really good. I would love to have them as my SP2, SP3 um, all next year. Is it going to be a sub-3 ERA? Probably not for both of them. 
but they likely will very likely will not be above four and they'll get you lots of strikeouts and volume and all that stuff. In Clean Kershaw, is he pitching? Was he doing? Is he hurt? How much are you going to get? I don't know. He's Tatiaga. His DSA is always going to ace and he just settles in here at tier four because, yeah, he's going to be really, really good. All right, great. Let's move on then to the next tier here, tier five, a tiny little baby tier here. George Kirby, Logan Webb, Fran Bravadas, Logan Gilbert, Chris Bassett. What's it called? Why is it called that? This is the Toby shirt because these are your, your like Toby representatives that have broken from the shackles to be more than a Toby. You know, these are the guys that you just like, oh yeah, I have this guy. I always start him and he's what every Toby wants to be. Okay. Very lovely. Um, Let's talk with George Kirby. So the, 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 the he is the, he's the, the Spider-Man. He is the, no, uh, no, the I mean, the he's, these aren't actual Tobies. These are ones that have broken the shackles. They're, they've, uh, uh, okay, excuse they're, me. They're, yes, this is the dream. That's why it's the Air Jordan Toby shirt, which is great, by the way. It's, it's a really wonderful design from Justin. That is a good one. Um, so we'll start with Kirby still though. I mean, rookie year, I believe, right? Wasn't his rookie year? It was his rookie year. Yeah. Um, he obviously we were able to see some of the command that we wanted to see. He was top 10 in terms of walk rate, but not really getting a, a heck of a lot of swings and misses. Even with that, though, respectable whip, uh, low or mid three ERA here. Uh, you got to figure he's going to be able to get up to 160, 170 innings next year. The four seamer, relatively good. Um, no, not relatively good, excuse me, relatively good when it comes to uh, uh, batting average again. So when it comes to swing and miss, fantastic. I mean, one of the best pitches. Um, one of the best four seamers. We're talking a, a lot about a lot of good four seamers today. Yep. Uh, it's funny. Um, That's, I, I I focus a lot more on good four seamers than I do on good secondaries. Yeah, but uh, we we had some conversations uh, uh, earlier about him in the year about if he's kind of the next coming of of Logan Gilbert in that we've got the foundation. Can he take steps forward with secondary pitches? Mm-hmm. And Logan Gilbert didn't really pan out, though he's in this tier, so we might talk about him a little bit more. George Kirby, is there a little more confidence that he's going to be able to take that step forward for you? Um, so in 2021, Logan Gilbert's four-seamer had a 12.2% swing strike rate. 2022 is a 13%. George Kirby's four-seamer this year had a 16% swing strike rate. 16%. That's, that's better yeah, than Spencer Strider and that's Christian Javier. Right? Thing is... Strider and Javier both have excellent breaking balls as breaking well. Ball, yeah. And I don't know if I love George Kirby's The slider has a 9% swing strike rate. His curveball had a 6%. And generally when you have a really good four seamer, it amplifies a big secondary. I, uh, and that's not happening here. So that's the biggest question. That said, the foundation of a four seamer is great I'm not just going to say that this is who George Kirby is. He's going to be 25 next year. It's going to be a second year. There is an opportunity for George Kirby to develop something better with that slider and curveball. Um, you have Castillo's amazing slider. You have Ray's amazing slider. Maybe those guys can talk a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly something happening in Seattle when it comes to development that's better than what it used to be. And you hope that there is um, something that they can fix here. So I'm not going to rule it out. That said, 339 ERA, 121 whip, 4% walk rate, and a 25% K rate for George Kirby in his rookie year. I can imagine those things getting better. If you look at Shane McClanahan last year, he had a 127 whip in 2021 McClanahan, and then he improved on it, right? And I think I sometimes get into the trap a little of these young guys being, oh, this is who they are. 
I, I think there is room for George Kirby to improve. Uh, and I like him more than the others because I do feel Logan Webb, Valdez, Gilbert, Bassett are more of what they are than Kirby is. So I have him at 32. Um, I want to talk a little bit too about Framber Valdez. I mean, I think, you know, another guy may be a little low. We talked about, you know, the importance of workhorses, a guy with the fourth most innings in baseball. Obviously, we all talked about the, the quality start streak, which is fantastic and likely not able to be repeated next year, but definitely points to the fact that with the infield defense behind him and with the ground ball rate that he has, which leads all of baseball at 70%. It's um, the opposite of Javier, be, right? They have the yeah, first of like, 200. Literally both ends of the spectrum represented here in yeah. terms of ground ball rate on the Houston Astros. Um, oh, I'm tweeting it. Dibs, dibs, I'm tweeting it. Um, Go ahead. I mean, it's among top 200 uh, qualified starters by batters faced, just so you know, that's how we work. Okay. Thank you. Um, they, uh, you have them kind of relatively low, though, all things considered. Um, is it just you don't? believe that there's going to be as many quality starts you don't believe he's going to be able to strand as many runners what are you thinking i mean yeah this is a peak year and in, in the peak year he had a 116 whip and a 23 percent k rate and eight percent walk rate i mean that's the way i'm seeing this hard contact allowed is 28 percent 119th in the majors i don't care about ground ball rate the only times i really care about ground ball rate are if you have it and you also have an elite whiff rate because then it makes sense of all right you're getting your strikeouts and you're limiting the worst damage you can do. Um, but when you have this high of a ground ball rate and you have a 12% swing strike rate, it's not as high of a, uh, a strikeout rate. I think that we saw the best of Framber Valdez this year. Is he bad? No. I want to have him on my teams. I think this is also a showcase of the options that we have this year at starting starting pitcher. There are so many good pitchers out there. This is in the 30s now. And yeah. I had Fran Bervaldez on my team. Yeah, I feel good about it. Like, this is a solid rock SB3. You know, we're going to hear this in the conversation of, I went after some risks, so I need to get something that's more stable. You get Fran Bervaldez, you know? Like, he's going to be helpful for you. The whip, though, I hope is, you know, 116 and 115, not 120 and change. But uh, that should be okay. Speaking of ground ball pitchers who you are not necessarily a fan of, I think you should talk a little bit about Chris Bassett. Overall, not the biggest ground ball pitcher, 41st in the majors, but uh, largest ground ball rate of his career. Another guy who was able to give you a good amount of innings, uh, even though he missed a few starts there at the end. He's rounding out the uh, tier three, excuse me, tier three, tier five for you at number 36. What are you thinking about Chris Bassett heading into 2023? Uh, Chris Bassett's, I mean, they're all the same here-ish. A 3.42 ERA, 1.14 WHIP, 22% strikeout rate, uh, 23% hard contact. Um, I I wonder if he's going to throw his curveball more. It was one of the best uh, pitches by Stuff Plus on Eno's pitching plus metrics, Uh, and I wonder if he's going to throw it more next year. Maybe that 11% swing strike rate can go up from being the 119th best among all starting pitchers. But Chris Bassett's just solid, and I wonder where he's going to go um, this offseason. It could be to a really good team, and we could really dig it. But yeah, another Rock who is just going to be good through the year. I mean, he increases slider and cutter usage. Again, he's a kitchen sink guy with a really effective called strike rate, or actually CSW on that uh, sinker. 35%, 20% via called strikes on the sinker for Bassett. So I, I, 
I think, again, it's a safe play. It's good. He's not going to be a top 15 pitcher. He doesn't have that ceiling like other guys in the top 30. But you're going to like Chris Bassett. Yeah. So let's. there's a lot of uh, really exciting names that are in the next year. So I want to move on to it because there's a lot. Oh, we're not like going to do it. We're going We're going too long here. I'm going to cut we're it too off. Long. We're not even going to get, get into the 40s. No. We're going to 36. We're going to end it at 36. All right. Wow. Is this the first time ever in the history of this podcast that you have ended a podcast? Yeah. 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 And you did. 345 podcast streak has come to the (laughs) close. Yep. Fast. We got to rein it in. Um, Who are you? Are you trapped? (laughs) Logan Webb is someone we didn't mention in this tier. Um, Logan Webb, you might be surprised to hear only had a 20.7% strikeout rate, 116 whip, 2.9 ERA. And I've been comparing him and Framber Valdez for a long time. Uh, and they're, they're pretty much the same guy to me. The one element I will say is that Logan Webb does have that ceiling of that 26% strikeout rate that we saw in 2021. That could come back if the slider does regain its swing striker from 2021. That was 22% then, 13% in 2022. I uh, I do think the slider can get better um, next year. And that would elevate the strikeout rate from that 21% rate to closer to 25. Uh, whip at 116, though, I don't know if that's going to change. I think the hipper 9 of 8.2 is kind of, yeah, that's... What Logan Webb is when you have that high of a ground ball rate, fourth best in the majors at uh, 59% or fourth highest, I should say, because best is, I don't know, that's subjective. Um, but the sinker was super effective once again. Um, and uh, 31% called strike rate on a sinker on any pitch is just insane. That's not CSW. That's just the called strike it's element. Just, yeah, that's unbelievable. 31%. Um, only 5% swing strike. But who cares? 31%. Um, and the changeup, I think, even though it has low CSW numbers, really well spotted um, to get a ton of ground balls all the time. Webb, I think, is very safe once again and does have a little bit more of that strikeout ceiling than I think the other guys do, even though Framber Valdez had a higher strikeout rate this past year. So he's at 33, a tick above the others. And Logan Gilbert, I call them Jerby because they're very, very similar. But as I mentioned, George Kirby, I think, has a little bit more of the chance to mm-hmm. jump forward. Um, we did see Gilbert move away from the cutter-esque slider and back to the loopier one by the end. So I do wonder if we can get that 19% swing strike rate we saw on the slider from 2021 and not the 12.5 in 2022. I uh, will see. But the four-seamer isn't as dominant. So uh, these are all just safe players. They're not going to... I don't think they're going to harm you. Um, and... Before we get to the very interesting six, seven, mm. eight tiers, mm. really nine, I'm, oh, 10. Oh my God. Six through 10 is just fascinating to me. It's fun. And I want to save that for its own podcast and then we'll do 11 and later in another one. Cause I mean, there's so much to discuss there. We're going to, so, we're going to we'll wrap then on, we're going to wrap them on some quick trivia. Okay. I want you to name the, of the top five pitchers. By called strike rate this yeah. year, we have mentioned three of them already. Can you name the top five overall in called strike rate? Brady Singer. Wrong. Adam Wainwright. Correct. Number one at twenty-one point one percent. 
so I mean, so we just qualified. Okay. Doing just qualified. Um, so right. So it's yeah. Logan Webb is in there, right? Um, oh, he's not. Chris Bassett. Webb Webb is at six. He just misses. Oh, okay. All right. Bassett is four. (laughs) So you got Wainwright and Webb, and you have one more swing and miss. That we uh, uh, we we have Wainwright and, and Bassett. Sorry. Okay. Um. Man, I'm I'm thinking about this. Two others uh, have been mentioned. Two others have been mentioned. Yeah, you you got so three have been mentioned in this podcast. Bassett was one of them. There are two others on the list who have been mentioned. Yeah, Aaron Nola. Yep, he's number uh, three. Okay. Um, is Zach Allen one? He is no. not. Zach Allen was number thirteen. Number two, second uh, highest called strike rate. Urias. Mm-mm. It was Joe no. Musgrove. Joe oh, Musgrove really? Second, second highest really? called strike rate in baseball. Oh, right, year. the fastballs. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Number three was Nola. Number four was Bassett. Number five was Martin we Perez. No, we oh, not really? Mentioned. Really? Yeah, Martin, Martin Perez? Oh, man. Yes. That's pretty cool. Um, but, Nick, that is going to do it then for episode number 345 of On the Court of the Official PetroList.com podcast. We host Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week when Fast is not going to be in a closet, but back home (laughs) with good audio. Most scene changes in a podcast. (laughs) But anyway, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.